everyone, and welcome to the Tidewad Tech, episode 50, Fog Update, for June 9th, 2011. This week we have our uh, some of our favorite guys back on with us, uh, Chuck Zypersky and uh, Jim Jang from the uh, Fog Project. They're going to be here to talk to us about the, their latest uh, updates and the updates coming up after that and the updates after that. We're going to talk uh, all things fog. So if uh, if you have become a fog lover due to listening to this show or maybe become a Tightwad Tech listener because of your love of fog, uh, there's, some, there's a lot of uh, cross-pollination there. Uh, this show is for you. It's got uh, both things. it got your Tightwad Tech goodness and your fog goodness all in one show. Uh, but before we get that, I just wanted to talk a, a little bit about something that happened uh, interesting here at, at where we work at our school uh, the last uh, week of school. Uh, we, yeah, we, perfect timing. Yeah, yeah it was great perfect timing. <laughs> we had uh, somebody introduced a rootkit virus uh, onto our network. Uh, and, you know, it happens. They get by even the best uh, protection. But I wanted to mention this specifically because it uh, it was a little bit of um, – hubris that allowed them to to get this far we run uh a tool like many of you do it's, it's called cornerstone but uh many of you have a tool out there called deep freeze or something similar to it uh steady state or something like that that uh uh restores your computers every time you reboot uh so we ha- sort of had the impression that we were virus proof so we got you say say we do get infected it's not that big a deal we just reboot the machines and the infection is gone right this thing was pernicious and spread really quickly um, and, uh, within, I mean, I started noticing, uh, odd behavior and then I started getting calls from teachers about two minutes later, about three minutes after that, Sean called me and said, Hey, something's up. So literally within 15 minutes, yeah. we went from zero to death, DEFCON five, uh, <laughs> yeah. this thing went crazy and just spread. We have uh, right around a thousand uh, computers in our district and it just went like crazy from the time the first one got infected, the time almost all of them were infected. Um, and so. We thought this was on a Friday afternoon, the Friday before the last week of school. We thought, okay, we'll address the teacher machines that aren't locked down. Then we'll just shut down all the student machines. So we did that. We shut them all down. We addressed the teacher machines and thought we were good. Yeah. And so we came back. The next Monday was Memorial Day. We came back the next Tuesday, uh, fired things up, and it began to spread just as fast as it had before. And within half an hour, had completely crashed our network. So the what I want to say there is root kits activate below the level of most of these uh, freezing, locking, uh, secure programs. So right. because they're a root kit, because they work at uh, like the, the boot sector level or lower, uh, they will get in there and hose things uh, before your other system kicks in. So we weren't as protected. The good news is, however, we were able to, I downloaded a, a command line scanner, uh, from Kaspersky called, uh, TDSS Killer. Uh, it has, uh, uh, scripting features. I was able to put that into a script and run it across the network. And because this thing works below that level, I didn't have to unlock all the machines to run it. Just like they got right. infected, uh, with, while they were quote unquote frozen, we were able to clean them up while they were frozen as well. Yeah, that actually worked in our favor. Uh, you know, if it was something that had been, uh, I guess made persistent and we were ending up having to go around and unlock everything that would have taken a lot longer. So this was actually easier. Yeah. So I just want to say, check that out. Uh, uh, when you have those kind of kinds of tools, uh, like the, the deep freeze, I, I always say that brand, uh, I don't mean to endorse that brand. In fact, I don't use it for a number of reasons, but that's the one everybody knows. So when I say deep freeze, think things of that to uh, nature. Um, the, I'll, it's difficult to run antivirus with those things because the the changes they download updates, but then they reboot themselves and the updates go away. So you have to set up 
some sort of scheduling where on after hours they unlock themselves, update, and relock themselves. And it's a little difficult. So, right. uh, and that plus your sense of immunity, you think, well, it doesn't matter. Well, I've learned it does matter. Uh, so we're going to have to figure out some way to both keep them protected and uh, keep them uh, antivirus protected in both ways. Yeah. Uh, so just something to, to to mention to you guys out there. Uh, this first time that has ever happened, uh, the first time we've ever uh, in seven or eight years since we've been using that tool, for the first time a reboot didn't fix it. Yeah. And that was because this wasn't just your typical worm. It was a rootkit level tool. All right. And the next thing I wanted to mention to you is a way that you can give us money. Uh, and uh, <laughs> that's very important to me. Yes. yes. Um, I don't know how important it is to you, but it is very important to me. Uh, if you're not familiar with it, uh, a, a number of sources out there online have uh, affiliate programs where basically you send traffic to their site. They give you a small kickback. Uh, we have created an Amazon affiliate link uh, on our uh, website. You can simply go to elementopi.com slash um, uh, Amazon or tightwadtech.com slash Amazon. Either of those work. Or go to our homepage and there's an Amazon button. And all that does is just take you to the regular Amazon webpage. Nothing uh, new there. You don't pay any more. Nothing different about you. But we get a kickback of about 4%. Uh, and more, uh, uh, depending on things. It, it, they give us the lowest, because we're a tech-centric podcast, they give us the lowest um, kickback on uh, tech-related things. Right. But if you buy a new bed barbecue or grill or yeah. bed sheets or something, we actually get up to about 10% on those. Uh, so if you're already an Amazon user, just change your bookmark in your web browser from Amazon.com to elementopi.com uh, slash uh, Amazon or tightwadtech.com slash Amazon and, um, and do that. And it doesn't make any difference to you. It'll be completely transparent to you, but it's a way that we can get a few pennies off of your purchases. You know, it's funny because we were talking about that the other day where, uh, you know, some people will, uh, if they like something and they want to help support it or whatever, they'll make a donation, right? And, and then there's people who won't do anything, but there's people that are in the middle that, uh, they don't really like the idea of just giving away money, right? And making a donation, but, uh, something like this that they'd be willing to do. So, uh, yeah, just another, another avenue for people to throw money our way. Right. And if there are other services that you'd like us to be affiliates for, let us know. Uh, I uh, looked at Newegg is one that's a uh, uh, tightwads like that one a lot, uh, and uh, maybe eBay. They all have affiliate programs, and and I'm certainly uh, willing to set up a long list of URLs. It's not a big deal uh, to do that, and uh, and you can use whatever. But Amazon is sort of uh, you know one of the the big ones in the market right now, and also has the highest percentage of payback. Um, right. Newegg.com is one percent, and uh, Amazon.com is four percent, and uh, so. Uh, Anyway, just thought I'd throw that out there. So please, please, please give us money by doing what you ordinarily do. That's sort of the, the, the best of both worlds, right? You don't have to change your behavior. doesn't cost you any more, but we get money. Right. So why would you not do that? Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> why wouldn't you? <laughs> and one last thing. Uh, well, actually, there's another one down there. I see Sean. Yeah, I had, to, I had to throw that in there. You go, you, you go ahead and go with that first. All right. Since well, it's about me being wrong and since that happens so rarely. Yes, yes. So uh, allow me to relish in the moment. Maybe I can just take a moment and sigh. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, we recently had uh, uh, Skype, Skype in the Classroom uh, representative. Episode there. 47. Right. And uh, we had her on the show and it was a great show. And, you know, we love those British accents and 
Uh, Jacqueline. Yes, yes. It, it was a wonderful uh, interview, and she was bubbly and entertaining and everything else. And so uh, we came away, and we're like, ah, oh, that was great. And then Mark afterwards, and I don't remember how long it was afterwards, but you even you called yourself out on it. You said, I said their headquarters are in London or in England, but I don't think that's right. And uh, sure enough, it was, I don't know, uh, an hour or two after we recorded that show, she sent me an email with the same thing, with the same correction. And she said, is there any way to edit that in? And I knew that wasn't really going to work out quite right. And uh, and I really didn't want you to edit out your mistake anyway. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's the truth. <laughs> but I did tell her, I said, well, we, we can surely issue a retraction. So yeah. I said that Skype is a British-based company. It's not. They have offices in England. Jacqueline is English. However, the company is a German company based in Germany. Right. Yeah. So there you go. That's the correction. I said they were English. They're not. They're German. Sounds good. And uh, being an American, that's all the same thing to me, right? There's America and not America. (laughs) So it doesn't doesn't really matter. But apparently to the the English and to the Germans, there's a difference. Yeah. Is there any wonder they hate us? (laughs) (laughs) And one last thing is our, uh, I'm going to talk to you one more time about our spring sellout contest. Uh, As you may have noticed, we've moved into uh, uh, June now. That's actually sort of unofficially summer. It's not officially summer until June 21st. Right. So I can flog this up until June 21st, and it'll still be the spring sellout competition. But well, it's but I still walk outside and my hair turn catches right, it's, fire. It's a hundred degrees outside. Right. Uh, is that what happened to your hair? <laughs> so anyway, uh, the the spring sellout contest I've mentioned it before is uh, uh it's a competition for an MP3 player. The winner will get if you're watching the uh, uh live feed, the winner will get this handy dandy little portable MP3 player uh, made by Dell. Dell got into that market and. Uh, very quickly got back out of it, uh, <laughs> and I got my hands on this little thing. So it's a Dell DJ Diddy. It's a 512 meg MP3 player. Uh, we'll give you that and a T-shirt if you win. And all you have to do to win is be interesting. Uh, and so what you'll uh, do is go to some public forum, um, a blog, a YouTube video, uh, a your own podcast, uh, a forum somewhere else, a Facebook page, a twi- uh, if your Facebook page is open to the public. Something that people something can that find through a Google search. Right, something that is public. Um, and write a review of the Tightwad Tech Show. Um, and just say whatever you want to say. Say that we're interesting. Say that we're intelligent. Say that we're boring. Say that we're dumb. Handsome. Uh, say whatever you want to say. Yeah. If, you, <laughs> if you need to lie and say that we're handsome, that's okay. Um, truth, I just kicked my... Oh, yeah, you did. Truth is... My big feet. I kicked my cable. Uh, Truth is uh, optional uh, in these reviews. (laughs) Um, You know, that's between you and whatever your personal code of conduct is. Uh, So uh, what we'll... Then what you'll do after you've written your review is you'll post a link to it to a forum, to to our forum. We have a forum on our website uh, dedicated to the spring 2011 spring sellout contest. You'll put a link there so that we can see it. All right? So it's not just enough to write it out there. You got to let us know. And right. then, uh, once they're all collected, we're going to go, we'll, we'll probably go through June with this. I had originally said May, uh, and then we'd hand out the prize in June, but things are a little slow. So we're going to extend this a little bit. And so, uh, once we get some entrance, cause right now we don't have many, um, we'll go through and, and we'll let the community vote on the best ones. And then we'll throw out the vote and pick the ones we like best anyway. But you will at least have the chance to vote. 
Uh, and then the one that we like best will win the, uh, the MP3 player and the t-shirt. And the idea here is for us, one, to get some free, uh, advertisement, obviously, but also, uh, just, to, for the community to, uh, to ra- gather around and, and share in each other. I think it'll be a fun project. I think it may be turn, turn into one of those things where we're trying to one up each other. Uh, that was kind of what I was hoping for anyway. You know what would have been great if we had, if we had done this maybe a little bit earlier, or we thought when we, we first put it out there, is to any of the teachers out there, people in the classroom, that could have been like a class project. Oh, that would have been fun. Yeah, like get all of their students to write one and just, you know, whoever came up with the best one. (laughs) Your English teachers, that's your prompt. (laughs) The Taiwan Tech Podcast is. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And call it your creative writing So so maybe that'll be the next one. We'll have to do something like that. We'll do some more. I'll I'll come up with some swag later on and we'll do that. But for now, that's the way we'll do it. And we've babbled on long enough. And so now I'll bring you into uh, our guests, our friends, our... uh, I'm going to stop right there. Heroes. Uh, our heroes. heroes there. I, I, I was going to stop. I wasn't going to go any farther because, <laughs> you know, they might inflate their egos a bit more. Yeah, yeah, sure. But uh, the uh, the uh, uh, venerable Chuck Sapersky and the huge strapping uh, Jim Jang uh, <laughs> will be joining us from uh, the Fog Project. Uh, Chuck, Jim, how are things going? Very well, very well. How are you guys doing? Good. Great. Not bad. Not bad. Of course, I have to ask the corny question. So, is it foggy there? <laughs> uh, no, oh, no, actually. <laughs> yep, sticky and sunny and warm. Okay. So, yeah, no no fog. Now, you guys are, uh, remind me, outside of Chicago, is that right? Yeah, about 20 miles outside of Chicago, suburb of Chicago. Okay. In beautiful Villa Park, Illinois. Villa Park, Illinois. Nice. I've never heard of that, but you've never heard of Honey Grove either, so. <laughs> it All sounds right. wonderful. So, uh, just for those of uh, our listeners who might not be uh, aware of what fog is, even that the fact that we've mentioned it in like every second episode for the last year yeah. or more, uh, give us a, a quick overview of of what fog is and and how it came to be. Well, fog is basically a computer cloning solution, similar to solutions out there, um, similar commercial. Uh, Parallels, I guess, or uh, Ghost. Uh, there's Altera's software like that. So basically what Fog does is it takes all the software on one computer's hard drive, uploads it to um, the Fog server, and then you can blast that out to, you know, one machine or a hundred machines. Um, and that's the real, you know, bird's eye view of it. Um, Fog is basically a Linux-based uh, system, um, and what that awards us is when you image computers, you don't have to worry about things like, you know, drivers on your client computers or things of that nature like you do with some other imaging solutions. It's all uh, web-based from a central uh, management interface. And I don't know. It's pretty much the, the short of it. Right. It's a PXE boot system. So you tell each of your computers to boot to the LAN first and then fog takes over. If it has a task, it executes it. If it doesn't, it goes on with the uh, standard boot sequence, CD first, hard drive, however yeah, you have that So you don't up, use right? floppy yeah. disks to boot the machine or CD-ROMs or pen drives or anything like that. Yeah, it's all network booted. Everything's imaged from a little um, Linux file system that we load into memory on the machine, and we do everything from there. So it tends to be pretty efficient. And uh, you guys had a new release uh, just recently. We were going to get you on in conjunction with that, but scheduling didn't work out. Tell us about uh, the new new release and what are some of the new 
uh, goodies that you've added to it? The most recent version we're on right now is um, 0.30 or 0.30. Um, and the biggest change with that is we rebuilt that Linux file system that I was just kind of talking about. The file system that we load on the client machines that we actually use to do the imaging. Um, and we actually have to thank uh, uh, someone call, or someone named Aaron Bergs for that. He put a lot of work into helping us rebuild that image um, and made it a whole lot smaller. We updated a lot of um, the functionality in it, cleaned things up. Uh, we also, basically what we're using now is a system called BusyBox. Um, I don't know if any of your listeners are familiar with that, but it's basically a real small Linux uh, distribution that you can um, basically build with you know any software that you need. We added things like... Um, parallel uh, compression for image uploads and things like that. So now what that means to the uh, users of FOG is that image uploads are a whole lot quicker if you have multiple uh, cores on a CPU or multiple CPUs if you're so lucky. Um, and we just kind of cleaned everything up on the uh, on that file system a lot, made it a whole lot smaller as well. Um, I believe our old one was roughly, you know, well, maybe... 60 meg. Yeah, 60 meg decompressed, and this new one is maybe 10 meg. So it's, you know, a fraction of the size of the original one. Wow. Now we're, so that was the biggest feature. Oh, I'm sorry. We're still running uh, 0.29. Um, what would I need to do to upgrade to 0.30? Upgrading Fog is a real simple process. Um, we recommend you back up your database and, you know, any pertinent information you may have prior to doing it. But all you do is download the latest version. Um, you extract it. It's in a, basically what's equivalent to a zip file on Windows. It's in a uh, tar archive. So you extract that file. Um, you navigate to the bin directory, run the install fog script, and it'll do all the upgrading for you automatically. Um, just like you were installing it for the first time, except, you know, it'll ask you a whole lot less questions. And then, you know, a few minutes later, you'll have the most recent version of fog. How secure are you in that? I, I've got my installation right now. I could upgrade it while we're talking. I'm loving that. I'm you want to? Yeah. You, you want to risk it? He did say back up first. They got the data based on the image directory. Because this is really making me nervous. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what, how do you back up? Is there a backup process, or uh, how do you recommend that I back it up? Um. We, when you actually uh, update the schema, so basically after you do the install, I did skip a step, um, you'll try navigating to the FOG uh, web interface, and it'll redirect you to a schema updater site, so any database changes that you have will be installed at that point. And on that screen, it actually gives you um, the commands that you can run at the server's terminal to do a backup of the database. Um, alternatively, we have a script that will back up everything for you, including your images, any custom reports, or anything like that. And that's actually part of our download package. I believe it's in the utils directory, but that I may be mistaken on that. And basically what that will do is it'll you run that script, and it will back up your database, um, all your image files, your reports to a, you know, it can be an external hard drive. You just give it a path name, and it will throw everything in that directory so you could easily um, restore it later if you if you needed to. Uh, we have dozens of image files. I, I don't know that I would want to do that. We don't have a hard drive anywhere big enough to do that. Um, yeah, a lot right. of that's the case with a lot of people. Yeah, yeah we've got a ton of images now. Image I'm sorry, what was that, Jim? The fog, uh, fog upgrade doesn't touch the image directory. 
Okay. It's a major modification to the uh, database. You have and uh, replace the web. Yeah, that's actually one thing that is pretty pretty stable is the upgrade process. It isn't too um, too dangerous. You know, you could there is the possibility that you could you know have issues with the database or the um, Apache web server. But other than that, it's it's pretty straightforward and not too tough. But I would recommend you guys back up beforehand. Throwing my little disclaimer <laughs> in there. <laughs> I like to live dangerously. Uh, I'm I'm down with you right now. I'm going to do it while we're doing the show. I'm gonna end, I'm gonna update it, see what happens, and if it if it goes horribly wrong, I can blame you right here on the you show. Know, I, I got to be honest though. Well, look at that. We're we're yeah, well one support too. So if uh, anything goes wrong, we'll this, this we'll do is some actually the time. Break. This is the time for us to do that though. I mean, we're going we're we're upgrading to Windows Seven uh, across the district this year. So I mean, just jump. Let's jump off the cliff. You know, <laughs> let's get, get rid of all those old images. And, you know, I'm, I'm working up new images now for Windows 7 anyway. So, of course, entering them in the database got a lot harder with your last update since they no longer automatically update. So if I hose that database, we got to go to each machine and re-register. Ah, yes. I, kn- I know a certain tech to my left who would be unhappy. <laughs> I'd need the exercise, I guess. <laughs> get to work off some of those 15 pounds. Right, huh? right. <laughs> Since, since you mentioned that, guys, uh, what, uh, tell me about Windows 7. The last time you were on, which was, you know, uh, right out a year ago, uh, Windows 7, uh, support was, uh, fresh and new. Uh, have you guys had a chance to, to pound on that? Have you yourselves, uh, moved to Windows 7? Uh, do you have any, uh, uh, experience, uh, with it? I think we're in the same boat that you are. We're going to be moving to Windows 7 at the district where we work this summer. And um, pl- districts or other sites that have um, moved to Windows 7 have ha- not really had any issues with using Windows 7 with Fog. There's a few um, caveats, um, one being that uh, Windows 7 installs an extra partition on the hard drive that Windows XP never really did before. Um, it's a, I believe, it, is it a 100 meg or a 200 meg partition? I believe it's used for recovery. It's 100 meg. Yeah, 100 meg. But you have to say 200. If you go over, like, if it's 101 or 99, it's not. So you just take the default when you install the window. If you use SysPrep, make sure it's just a uh, 100. Now, you can... You can install Windows without that, right? During a manual install process, you can tell it uh, only you, a single partition. To, yes. you, you have to partition the NTFS first. Like right. you put up in the X, you know, XP or partition the NTFS first as a whole partition. Then you install the CD, I mean, with, with the Windows 7 CD, and install as one uh, partition. Now, uh, Otherwise, it's just... That's the way I would be inclined to do it just because it's it's simpler and, and uh, uh, is cleaner. Uh, does fog care one way or the other? Nope. No. And we'll even resize the second partition. So if you have, you know, the two partition system, we'll, we know that and we'll resize the main, um, Windows 7 partition to the full size or shrink it down based on your, your hard drive size, just as we would any other, you know, single partition. So you, you make the, the 200 meg partition for the recovery. You always leave that alone and then you resize so you the other one. 100. Uh, 100, 100 okay, 100 yeah, sorry. And so you leave, you you use it, leave it, uh, make the other as big or as small as you have space. Uh, so one of the things that uh, that I liked about Fog is that I can take um, a small image and put it on a big drive, and it'll fill up that extra space. 
uh, some of the uh, tools I've used in the past uh, don't do that. Yeah. Basically, Falk, uh, Falk doesn't care about the first partition. As long as you say the 100, it's almost, invi- almost like invisible to Falk. If you offset size, then we have, Falk has some issue with. But if you say the 100, and just a single fuzz we treat is a single partition. Okay. And so it will yep. treat it. So does that mean I select the single partition uh, yes. image type? Option one. Yes. Yep. Oh, awesome. Nice. That's that's good to know. And that's actually one of the first steps that we're um, kind of venturing into doing more resizable partitions with multiple disks. I mean, that's one thing our users have been asking us for for a little while is to have, um, you know, a lot of places will have a C drive and a D drive that they use for, you know, I don't know, files or something like that on the D drive, and they'd like that to be resized as well. So that's something that we're hoping to work on in future versions of Fog, and that w- this was kind of our first step into into doing that. Okay. So I, I put 3, uh, 3.0 in, um, and I've got a brand new, I just did it myself, clean install. It didn't come from Dell. I did my own clean install of Windows 7. Is there anything in particular I need to do to uh, uh, make sure that it's going to work uh, okay, because I I know with XP there wasn't it just worked. Is that the do you have that same sort of just workedness with Windows Seven? On the Windows Seven, um, if you use SysPipe, you don't have to worry about it because the SysPipe can change the the this ID, the hard drive ID. But if you're not using SysPipe, you have to download the um FogPipe from the client, and you you have to install it right as administrator, then shut the machine down, then up the image. Okay, if and tell me, that, tell me what that if you does. Miss, okay, if you miss that step, what happens is when you pull up the machine after you image it, the machine will get into the blue, the black screen, and won't boot. Okay. Then you have to put a uh, window something CD in it to repair the partition. Yeah, basically all Fog Prep does is clear out. There's a device um, identifier in the registry for the hard drive that it boots off of, and all Fog does is reset that value so that on the next boot of that computer, it's generalized and it'll boot off the first disk it finds instead of being uh, required to boot off that value that's in registry. So what that means is you have to run that immediately before uploading your image to the Fog server. If you run Fog Prep and then reboot your computer, you have to run Fog Prep again. And when I say reboot your computer, I mean reboot your computer and um, go back into Windows without, you know, booting to the Fog. Um, imaging uh, partition. Okay, so not partition, but boot image. I I set everything up the way I want it. Put all my software on it. The very last thing I do is run Fog Prep, and then does Fog mm-hmm. Prep shut me down? Is is that yeah. what? It, okay. So I no, it's basically just a headless utility, so that you can you know if you have a whole process in a batch file, or you know if you script it any other way, you can just include Fog Prep as part of the you know your batch file or however you automate things. Okay. I I automate it by telling Sean to do it. That's our automation right. process. Yeah. <laughs> so so a, ba- a batch file would be more reliable. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the last thing I do is run Fog Prep. Fog Prep will shut my computer down, and now it's ready for imaging. Is that did I understand yes. that correctly? So the, what I could uh, do is go fog, in. Uh, I'm the sorry. Fog is not going to shut the machine down. It doesn't shut it the machine down. It okay. doesn't. Uh, it just uh, the machine. It also with freeze layer, and you hit any key, tell you to shut the machine down. Okay. Then you shut, just in case you want to do something else before you shut down. Okay. Good. So 
Uh, I run that. I shut it down. So I could go ahead and have the task waiting in fog for the upload and then do a reboot. And then it would pick it up and, and be ready to go. Yes. Okay. That is correct. That sounds like probably the safest way to do it. Right. That's how I would. All right. There is one other thing we should mention with Windows 7, too, is there are a few issues with our client service. I don't know if you uh, guys in particular use the FOG client service, um, but there's a few things that don't function uh, correctly on Windows 7 because of the way the service is written, and that's something we're hoping to fix in a upcoming release. Um, basically, any notifications to the UI um, on Windows XP, when you would... Uh, change a computer's host name, you'd see that little pop-up come up in the upper right-hand corner notifying you. Things like that don't function on Windows 7 yet. That's something that we have to fix, but it's just something that users should be aware of when they are moving to Windows 7. Okay. I'm sorry, wait, that was, you, you're talking just the little pop-ups that come up in the upper right? I mean, it's not really killing any functionality. Is that correct? No. Okay. okay. Correct. I can live with that. So, uh, Adding printers and adding snap-ins, all that works the same as normal. Uh, fog, yes. uh, green fog, all those things work uh, as expected? Yes. Okay. So The only other one that doesn't work is the auto log off, because that actually uses something very similar to the notification, because it tries to put up a pseudo screensaver, and since it can't interact with the desktop, you have the same issue with that. So that's the only other module that would be affected in terms of function. Okay, so how do I shut them down? Because if I, your current settings are that you won't shut down if somebody's logged in. If I can't log them out, how do I shut them down at night? Yeah, so then it, and I should say the fog or the um, auto log off will work, but the notification to the end user won't be there. Oh, okay, so, so they still get you know, logged After on. X amount of time, you'll be kicking someone out, but they won't be notified until they're actually logged out of the machine. I can live with that. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad they're telling us that because this would be me. You know, we use it to install uh, install printers and deploy printers, things like that. I'd be sitting there just waiting forever, <laughs> and then I'd call Mark up and go, you know, I deployed these printers, but you know, nothing happened. And then, <laughs> and then you would tell me, you know, well, did you check the printers? And then I would check them. And then <laughs> oh, I'd there say, they oh, are. Oh, there they are. Yeah, yeah thirty minutes later. <laughs> so. All right. So don't be a Sean out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are, are these, uh, if, okay, so like I said, I'm, I'm about to, I've got the thing I just downloaded and I'm, I'm about to hit the installation. Uh, when it's done, do I get a notification of these things that are different? Did you guys code that into like maybe that upgrade process you were talking about? We did not. There isn't really much uh, notifying the user of the changes with Windows 7 yet, but that is probably something that we should uh, should end up doing. Does the uh, does the interface look any different when you go into the management console? Not on this version. Um, the next version that we're going to have out in the next couple weeks or month is going to be uh, much different. Uh, the, talk talk, uh, talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Basically, on version 0.31, the next release we're going to have, um, the user interface has been... Um, not completely rewritten, but has been given a facelift. Um, and we have to thank another user that actually put a lot of time into that as well. Um, his name is Pete Gilchrist. Uh, he put a lot of work in on things, especially like the JavaScript and Ajax stuff. So it's a lot snappier. That's the first thing most users will kind of realize is that the whole interface is um, just a lot more responsive, a lot cleaner. Um, 
It has a little bit of a facelift, too, as well, um, a different color scheme, different icon set. The Active Tasks page also looks um, a bit different as well. Um, but overall, it's just uh, faster, cleaner. That's kind of the, the overview of it. Okay, because we're hoping we can actually test that out now. If uh, if you wanted to try, we have a working version in our um, SVN repositories right now. So users that want to get a sneak peek can do that. And about uh, when do you expect that release to hit? We're hoping within the next two weeks, but it may get pushed back a little bit longer depending on you know any bugs we uncover, things like that. But yeah, we're probably looking before the end of June. Okay. Okay. And we should, this is perfect opportunity to throw in. You guys can all find that out there at fogproject.org. And so if I, if somebody's a bad guy like me and didn't uh, upgrade to .30, is, do I have to go from 2.9 to 3.0 to this, I'm assuming 3.1 that's coming out, or can I skip straight from one to the other? You can skip directly from one to the other. Okay, good. You could actually go from our first version all the way to version, you know, 31 when it comes out without any issue. Okay. And uh, the updater doesn't care? Nope. Nope. All the logic to update from, you know, whatever version it's on to whatever version it needs to be on is all in the installer, so it can handle that gracefully. Now, I had a guy ask me a question uh, in the uh, um, forums recently that I didn't have an answer for, and I thought this would be a good opportunity to to ask that. Uh, He was installing Fog on a separate VLAN that didn't have internet access, but the installation requires internet access. So do you have any kind of package that includes all the MySQL and Apache and all that sort of stuff that people can download? Um, We don't. uh, We do have notes on our wiki on how to do that because that has actually come up a few times before. Basically, what you would have to do is just using the operating system's software installer, you would have to install those packages by hand, and then you can, you know, on a VLAN that has internet access, and then you can move back to your VLAN that is without internet access, run the installer, and it'll, it won't complain that it doesn't have internet access, because it already has everything it needs installed. Okay. So, the okay, answer is check okay, the wiki. Okay, somebody just get the <laughs> yeah, uh, VM and, version. The VM version is going to be everything built in, all the software is layer right in the I'm sorry, yeah, Jim, I didn't get that. Solution. We, we have a VMware version also that already has all the dependencies built into it, too, which is another option that uh, that user could could explore where they could use the VM version. You can update you know, to the latest version on the VMware ver- version as well, and then you could use that without issue, too, on that same VLAN. Okay. Uh, let's see, I have a question in the chat room. Uh, will the endless rebooting of Latitude E6510s be fixed with the update? Uh, do you guys know what that is about? <laughs> uh, I do not, no. And that and that's one thing we should actually bring up is uh, hardware-specific issues are always tough for us to, um, to troubleshoot is because, you know, without physically having the hardware and being able to build a kernel specifically for it, it's tough to fix things like that. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm actually not aware of that that issue. Seems to me, I mean, hardware specific things that I've seen, it seems to be overwhelmingly on Dell products. Is that what you guys have seen? Yeah, either Dell or just no name 
you know, products, things that are more, you know, generic that are, I guess, yeah. more mainstream. Yeah. Because so even with Dell, we saw the same model number. Right. It might have two different drivers, two different revisions of the like network card or the uh, uh, I/O something. And just in fairness to Dell, it's not fair to say you have the most problems with them because they also are the number one computer seller right, in the country. Right. So, yeah, yeah you're going to have yeah. more problems with them because you have more of those than anything else. Yep. And for that user that is having the issue with the uh, is it 6510, the one thing I would recommend them trying if they haven't done so already is within Fog, you can um, change or download uh, alternate kernels for Fog which the kernel is basically what holds the drivers and everything that's specific to um, the clients booting up. And I would encourage them to try a few different uh, of our kernels. We post kernels, you know, every couple of weeks and see if any of those resolve the issue on that specific machine. And if it does, um, you, you could use, you know, even if it's an older kernel that fixes that issue just on that one specific piece of hardware. Okay. Uh, I have had a, a, a few people, to, uh, you know, we've talked about Fog a lot, and, and we've sort of been your uh, 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 southern distribution center here, uh, talking right. about it here <laughs> all over the state of Texas, and, and people frequently and call me. And love you guys for it. And thank you, thank you. Um, I'm waiting for that check in the mail. It hasn't happened yet. Um, <laughs> I want uh, I want 30% of what you make off of it, okay? Yeah, we'll get it to you. So... Uh, Often I'll have that question, something about an endless reboot, and uh, my experience has has been that that is almost always going to be um, a software issue more than a hardware issue. Uh, every time I've had that problem, I tell somebody, wipe that hard disk clean, do a complete ins- uh, uh, new installation of the OS, Reformat and that problem yeah. goes away. Um, it's almost never, and in fact, I tell them, use the fog to the, the built-in wipe tool in fog, uh, wipe that out, just totally uh, encrypt the drive, Start with a clean installation, and and every time I've ever had it, I'm not going to say that's 100% of the time, but 100% of the time I've tried it, that has solved those uh, odd reboot problems. Um, so it, it seems to be uh, issues with um, ha- software more than hardware. Having said that, we do have some machines that we can't use Fog on uh, because for whatever reason the image just won't take. It won't upload or won't download or... Uh, generally those are older machines that are, we're talking, you know, vintage 2000 machines. Right. And eight year old laptops and weird things like that. We've tried to get, you know, pretty good coverage on, you know, most hardware, but, you know, as moving forward, old, you know, hardware does get deprecated from time to time and it's tough to keep up on, on things like that. We try to do our best and, um, if you do encounter those problems, we encourage posting to the uh, forum on SourceForge for a FOG project because even if we don't, you know, have that hardware at our disposal, very often, you know, another FOG user might where they can offer you, you know, advice. Sometimes there's even um, kernel arguments and stuff like that that you can pass to the computer while booting up um, that can fix, you know, some of these problems too. Um, interestingly, though, how would you... Uh in a mixed environment, how would you do that? How would you send that command to just the ones that don't work? There, in each of the hosts, there's two fields. Um, I believe it's host kernel and host kernel arguments, uh, where you can specify um, a specific kernel file that you'd like to use on a host instead of the default one. 
as well as kernel arguments that you'd like to pass to that kernel. Um, and that's how we handle it, you know, in most cases. If you have a whole group of computers, you'd have to create a, you know, a group of all those hosts, and then you could apply those same settings on a group um, basis. So that's how we tell most people to deal with it. Yeah, and that's it a good idea. To work for, you know, yeah. And they actually can say that uh, use a different kernel for that specific machine, too. If you find a kernel works for that type of machine, but doesn't work for another machine, you can set that specific just for that machine or for that group of machine, which is a busy image you can use. That's a great idea. I, I've never even considered that. Uh, so uh, we use groups uh, primarily just for logical uh, breaking down of, you know, this, this group gets this snap in and that sort of thing. Never even considered the fact that you could pass different kernels or, or different kernel arguments to a group. You guys are smart. Yeah, yeah, that's that. That's a great tip. How did we not get that out no, of them the first show? <laughs> the first time we had them on. <laughs> that just means we have to keep them coming back. It was, yeah, it was something we added, I believe, pretty recently. It may have been in the version um, uh, prior to talking with you guys. But yeah, it may, it's more of an advanced option that most people typically, you know, don't need if you have, you know, the more mainstream machines, but yeah, with, with machines that are more edge cases, those come in a lot of, you know, come in use for a lot of sites. We're going to start playing with that because if I could get that extra hundred or so machines to work with fog, that would be awesome. Yes. Yes, it would. I, I still, I promised to drive up to uh, Chicago and kiss you on the mouth the last time you were on. I, I didn't do it again. <laughs> Gas prices were too high, but uh, if I can get that to working, I may have to do that. Yeah. that Well, especially me. I mean, gosh, I'm, I, Last year, yeah, it was probably a hundred mostly laptops, but things that I just literally went and just dragged back to the office and, uh, either that or I had a, uh, uh, uh no, actually I didn't use the imaging spider for that, the octopus. Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was, I was dragging them up, you know, or, or running around with a disc or whatever, kind of going old school to have to deal with those machines. So T tell them about the octopus. That's a good story. Yeah. Uh, actually, and I still use this, uh, for our, uh, laptops, especially that will work with fog is, uh, I just got like a, a 20 port switch, 24 port switch. And, uh, I'll plug that into the wall and then I've got, uh, you know, all of these, uh, like eight foot, uh, ethernet cables coming out of it <laughs> and I'll just go in and just, you know, it, it, it's, it looks ugly, but yeah, I'll hook up like, you know, 10, 15, 20 of them at a time and <laughs> then use fog and just boom, you know, uh, image them that way. So, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, you do what you got to do to save yeah, time. Somebody you know. needs to come up with a way to PXE boot over Wi-Fi. That would be awesome. Right, right. Well, and you know, but even then, I mean, with our network, uh, just for the extra speed, you know, it's still, true. I still like to plug in. So, yeah, I mean, we, we heard a lot of people doing that too, but especially some of those tanks don't have access to the network. They cannot change those settings on the VLAN and all the network administrator doesn't allow, doesn't want to change. So a lot of people do is they carry a laptop and a switch with the 24 wires and plug and read. Oh, so wait, they'll have, they'll have fog installed on a laptop. Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, so they go to one of the labs and just, uh, you know, up there, plug the uplink and plug this stuff in or plug in because, uh, you know, sometimes the network administrators don't like make those changes. That is so, great. That is great. That's yeah, we've brilliant. heard that on multiple cases. Yeah, where people have yeah. done something like that. They set up their own little mobile rig where it's basically what you described, <laughs> but they're just hauling it in a backpack all around uh, different buildings or different locations within a campus. So basically, your laptop is a router, right? Handing out its own IP addresses. That's brilliant. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Yep. 
I mean, have a t- I we can, heard, I can see. people from like you're using your laptop to a triple E machine, <laughs> a nice and small one, yeah, so I, they can just you know push their image out. Yeah, I can see that. And you, if you had a lot of images, you could even have like a little external hard drive that, <laughs> to come, you know, to complement the whole thing. You got your images there, and uh, yeah, you'd be all set. And that answers a question I get asked a lot: is what does it what hardware specs do you need to run fog well you just answered it right there any spare laptop you've got laying around will probably do the job for one or two images their biggest issue is going to be network speed and storage capacity really yep yep and, and uh, the memory it's uh the more memory you have on the on the server actually have speed up okay yeah. but cpu is probably the least important of all the factors so we have people that are running it on old p4s you know Oh, with, with 256 mega memory, you know, running Fog as their main Fog server for whole buildings, and they, you know, say it works fine for them. For our, just to, I'm looking at the, by the way, I did the installation, the upgrade. Uh, you said I was going to get some sort of notification when I went to the page. I, I didn't. Did I miss something there? Um, it may not be, we may not have done any database changes in this version. Okay. I forget. It's been uh, been a few months. My memory's short. But anyway, I'm looking at the dashboard there. Uh, this machine that we have put it on was a, was an old server that we decommissioned. Uh, not a lot of, uh, hard, uh, not a lot of, of processor or RAM, but lots of hard drive. So it's got, uh, uh, just over 600 gigs of hard drive space and, uh, right around 15 gigs left over. We've used all the rest <laughs> of it up yeah. for images. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking. I think, I think we're just at a little over a couple terabytes now. I think we're at two yeah. or three terabytes worth of images. So we have every time they create every time they create images up one and then revision the next so we end up a lot of images too. We have fifty two images. Yeah, <laughs> I and never a, noticed that. A lot of that is is duplicitous. There's like we make one we made one for ten, but until we've really deployed that we wanna, you know, and, and test it and make sure that it's working out there in the wild, we'll keep nine. And then we say, but, you know, once we know it's working, we'll go back and delete 9, and you never go back and delete. By right? 9, it means 2009, <laughs> 2010. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> so you have, you know, and it comes in handy because, you know, if we ever want to go back and image a machine with Windows 98, we're set. It's right yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what have you guys got coming up uh, in the future uh, uh, fog-related? You talked about uh, your upcoming cha- uh, uh, plans for the project but what about you guys uh, specifically well in terms of fog after this next release um so what we've kind of done so far is we have uh kind of cleaned up the web ui um after this upcoming release we're gonna have to do a little bit more because it's still the code is still a bit um ugly and has kind of fallen into disrepair over you know the four years that it's uh been out there. Um, so we have to do a little bit more cleanup on the web UI. After that, we're going to do all the changes to the client service uh, that we kind of talked about earlier regarding Windows 7. So to get all the um, UI notifications and stuff popping up for end users and just kind of cleaning up the services and giving them a little attention. Um, but above and beyond that, that's kind of what we're looking at for the next maybe two, three uh, releases. And we're going to try to add in the Linux support in there too. Oh yeah, that's one I, I skipped over is a lot of people have been looking to use Fog for um deploying uh Ubuntu or other Linux distributions more and more. We we seem to be getting asked about that. So that's something we have to give a bit of attention to as well. 
Um, we're, we started doing a little bit of it in this upcoming release, but uh, the majority of that will probably be two or three releases down the line where we'll have better support for uh, imaging uh, most Linux distributions. For any listeners to the Everyday Linux podcast out there, I have to say Ubuntu. Okay. Um, <laughs> that, is that an inside? It's a running joke. Okay. <laughs> Every time somebody mispronounces the name, we have to correct I it. I got you. It's, I got you. It's not Ubuntu. It's Ubuntu. <laughs> uh, uh, so you said uh, Linux compatibility. It works with Linux fine right now. You just don't get all the the goodies. You just get bare bones imaging, right? Yeah, and it only works with um, EXT3. We don't have support for EXT4, and that's what most of the uh, current distributions are, are using. So if you want to use it with uh, Ubuntu now, you have to use the older EXT3 file system or EXT2. And I think Grab, Grab 2.0 is not working right. Okay. Yeah, Gr- Grub 2.0 has some issues. It mostly works, but there's some cases where you could have issues with it. Grub 2.0 has some issues. You could stop that whole sentence right there with with (laughs) Grub 2.0 has issues. Um, So, uh, interestingly, when we were talking uh, about upgrading this fleet of XP machines we have, uh, we were talking about possibly going to uh, something like Linux Mint or Ubuntu uh, rather than Windows 7, just to save the money there. Um, But one of the reasons we did it is because we would lose all our fog goodies. That was yeah. <laughs> that was a huge administrative decision, and we decided that it was worth the cost of of Windows XP to be able to push out uh, printers and services and software and snap-ins and all that good stuff. Well, the good news is, is once we do go down that road, I think um, implementing a service for uh, Linuxes in general won't be too tough for us to do. That's one thing we would like to do is have um, a service that does pretty much all the same things that the Windows service does and make make you know linux more of a first class citizen in terms of fog because be it seems like that's more and more a trend where we're hearing more and more organizations wanting to you know use linux in their you know even if it's just in a dual boot environment or something like that in education so i think that's something that we're going to try keeping on top of you might even get uh randall schwartz to get you back on the show if you did that <laughs> <laughs> uh one question i forgot to ask uh We've mentioned snap-ins a number of times, and, and the tool that you recommend, Ed, I don't know if you still do, uh, yeah, for making snap-ins, InstallRight, uh, does that work uh, well under Windows 7? Are there any gotchas there, or is there a different tool you recommend for making snap-ins with Windows 7? I believe it is still functional, and to be honest, I don't know that we have even tried that on um, Windows 7 to build our own snap-ins. We actually were, um, where Jim and myself work, we don't use snap-ins a whole lot. Um, but there are other tools out there that can build snap-ins. I don't know of any of them off the top of my head. And there is always falling back to MSI packages, too. If you have those available, can be used themselves as snap-ins. Right. So but, I don't know that I really answered your your question. Well, you did. Well, you answered it with I don't know. Well, this one. <laughs> this one would be, I mean, this one I tested probably about a month ago. It's called Wing Install okay. LE Edition. It's free. It's a free. I think it's called Wing Install LE. Can you so put that in the show one, notes and I'll make sure to, to put that up when we publish this? Sure. And I, that one seems to work very well. So I will say that uh, I got install right installed and at least got it running. I haven't actually created the first snap in yet, but it at least it installed. Yeah. So. The Epsilon Squared website is gone for install right. So you have to find it at 
some archive copy at download.com or something, uh, which is uh, a little disconcerting. So I'm I'm glad to know that there's something else out there that maybe is being actively maintained. Yeah, I know that there's a lot of at least commercial solutions too that'll you know build packages into MSI. I just don't know of any of them off the top of my head. Ammon Stereo, I think that's one then. Commercial, you you reckon you remember the name of the show that you're on, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. why I shied away and didn't bring him up initially. <laughs> Yeah, we don't work for, you know, a big giant district with deep pockets, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, okay. Uh, what about you guys personally? You uh, got any uh, talks coming up or uh, or uh, someplace where your uh, throngs of fans can come and rip your clothes off in person or something like that? <laughs> we are doing a, uh, we have a presentation coming up in Bloomington, Illinois. Uh, we're going to be presenting at a Tech Geeks Um and I believe we're going to be doing two or three two classes. Three yeah, we're going to be doing an introductory class on Fog there. And that is July 21st. Um, and I believe we're even going to be doing an advanced class, too. And then I think we may be repeating the the introductory class. So, yeah, we're going to be doing three sessions at the Tech Geeks in Bloomington, Illinois, uh, this coming July 21st. Okay. Anything else? Above and beyond that, we do have one other thing we'd like to mention. We have another um, open source project that is actually a product of the district where Jim and myself work that they have given us the green light to release to the greater community. Um, and it's going to probably be a month or two before we have it out. But we're releasing a, another software solution called Present. Um, and what that is is it's basically an attendance tracking system for schools. So um, what it does is it'll connect to your SIS system, which upon launch um, is going to probably be PowerSchool only considering we're a PowerSchool district, but other um, SIS systems could easily be snapped in. And it'll connect to your SIS system, look at attendance records, and then um, make phone calls based on students that are um, tardy, truant, uh, things like that, send out emails to parents just to help districts uh, better improve uh, parent communication um, for students' attendance. And it's um, something, like I said, we'll probably have out in the upcoming months. It'll probably take two months to get it all working. And the way it, it's going to work is it it's um, a web interface and a asterisk box all in one. And what it'll do is connect to your existing um, voice over IP system and make calls using your own voice over IP system. So that's something that we have coming up on on the horizon. Wow, that's cool. We pay for a service, uh, I forget the name of it right now, that does that. And it, it's not expensive, but uh, it uh, at, I think, 10 o'clock, we sub uh, submit attendance by 9, but at 10 o'clock it asks any, uh, looks at anybody who's absent and calls their parents and says, your student Johnny Thompson was absent, uh, please call the office to let us know why. Uh, is that, that kind of thing what you're talking about? Yep, exactly. It does some other things, too, that, um, like uh, handling detention, student detention. You can assign detentions after a certain amount of, you know, tardies or truancies or things like that. But, yeah, it sounds like it's very similar to what you guys are using. Are you going to have a cool uh, text-to-speech thing in there so it'll say, Tommy yes. Johnson? Is, it was absent. Yep, actually, it, it relies on text-to-speech to do all that stuff. It reads the student name, the course that they're 
tardy the period if you want Very to cool. optionally. So yeah, it does all that kind of kind of fun stuff. Uh, just a reminder to our audience, uh, Chuck is a full-time programmer for his school district. How lucky are they to have this guy uh, <laughs> right. all day, every day, does nothing but write clever code. That's pretty cool. Uh, I mean, my school's lucky if they get a batch file out of me once in a while. <laughs> All right. Well, that's beyond that. That's pretty much all we have coming up. That's really cool. Uh, so if, if you live in or around the, uh, Illinois area, uh, uh, stop by the Tech Geeks conference in Bloomington and see these guys and, uh, give them a big old man hug for me because, uh, I'm not going to make it. Right. Just tell them this is from Mark and I'm a big guy. So squeeze them pretty hard. All right, guys. Well, uh, as I always ask our guests, are there uh, any uh, parting thoughts or comments or uh, uh, clever witticisms you want to drop on our audience before we say goodbye? Nope. I think we about covered it. All right. Yeah. Guys, we appreciate your time. It's always a pleasure to have you on, and uh, feel free to come back. We need you guys uh, to come on and do a <laughs> – Oki Jason in the chat room says, can I get your cell phone number? <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> we we need to have you guys come on maybe as a listener spotlight sometime and and because uh, we do those uh, pretty much every month that would be pretty cool yeah and just have a little chit chat rather than yeah, talking instead shop of, instead of of course we'd probably still talk about fog the whole time oh uh, yeah I'm sure yeah. <laughs> anyway guys Sounds thanks good. thanks for being with us and uh, we'll see you next time thank uh, you. thank you all right. Okay, and once again, that was uh, Chuck Sipersky and uh, Jim Jung, Chang, Jang. He has so many different ways he spells his yes. name for for we dumb Americans who can't say an Asian name. <laughs> uh, Jim Jang, I think, is how he prefers to, to be called. Uh, well, uh, in, in your defense, and since the first time we've ever talked to him uh, last year, he was just like, you know, whatever. Just right. what, what, however you want to say it. Yeah. So. The proper pronunciation is Jian Zhang. Yes. So if you want to know, but uh, because there's a bunch of uh, uh, Texans out there who, who want a cell phone number, he goes by Jim Chang. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, we it's always great to have those guys on. And I I really did do the uh, in, the update during the show there. And yeah. everything went perfectly. I downloaded it, uh, ran the installation, and we're now running the latest version for another week or two until the next one comes out. I was going to say, did you, did you try to throw a, an image out just to see if... No, I didn't that. do that. <laughs> We'll just assume that it worked. All right. And yeah. so that brings us to the point of the show where we do our uh, regularly scheduled tips of the week. And so uh, this week we have uh, uh, Plop Boot Manager. And uh, this is somewhat apropos to what we're talking about where uh, with Fog has a, a PXE boot. This is a tool that allows you to USB boot from machines old enough that their BIOS doesn't support USB. And we ran into that just uh, a couple of weeks ago. Sean needed to do something. Right. I forget what it was. Uh, uh, well, it was uh, had the Windows installer uh, on a USB. Right, that's right. You were going to install Windows Seven because we've been testing it. Right, and you were going to put it on one of our old machines to see how it worked, uh, and it wouldn't uh, USB boot. So the Plop Boot Manager that you can find at uh, Plop dot at, um, and they have a lot of different uh, tools actually, uh, Plop Linux and Plop Manager status. But the Plop Boot Manager is the one I'm talking about today. Uh, the simple way to put it is, uh, it installs either on um, a hard drive or CD-ROM or floppy, and then loads the drivers to boot from USB. So if your machine doesn't boot from USB but will boot from CD, you can put a Plop Boot Manager CD in it, and it will then boot from your USB drive. 
Okay. <laughs> well, I'm missing. I'm missing the. Well, let's say I would just take my Windows Seven CD. Then. Well, <laughs> Windows Seven to come on a CD, it comes on a DVD. And you've got oh a mach- yes yes if you've got okay, a machine got you, with a CD you. drive in it right right yeah without a DVD drive right okay thank so you can you, take thank your- you Obi Wan <laughs> <laughs> you can take your external CD drive plug it in right boot from Plop to access that okay it's not something you're going to use every day but when you find yourself stuck in that situation it's going to be a handy tool yeah and I could I still see that even with those machines over there where uh, even they have drives in them but half of them are not working. Right. You are your learning young Padawan. Yes, yes. <laughs> the force is strong with you. And so that's Plop Boot Manager, and that's my tech tip of the week. All right, and I'll jump in here with the teacher tip of the week. And uh, this week it is uh, not anything that's uh, maybe I, I shouldn't really say that it's new. I think Live Binders has been a while, around for a while. But uh, Are you sure you haven't done this one? I'm pretty sure I haven't done this one. Okay. I, I really hope not. Uh, okay, if I've done this one before and you've heard it, uh, just stop listening now. <laughs> <laughs> Go make a coffee and come back. Right, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. <laughs> yeah, live binders. Uh, and this is just a great site. Uh, oh, it's kind of hard to describe it. it. They call it the your three-ring binder for the web. So uh, you can really go in there, and if you're researching a project, it's a great way to just kind of uh, consolidate all of that information. Uh, they have a, a browser plugin that you can just go in as you're browsing through the web and maybe you're researching something, you can hit your little live binders button and it'll automatically add that page, uh, to your, uh, to your live binder. Uh, so you can consolidate all of this information. You've got it in one nice web interface and you can access it from anywhere. Uh, another, uh, interesting use that I saw is, uh, people tend to almost use this like they're writing a book or maybe a, uh, another way to do a presentation. So you can go in there, and there's one, uh, Mark, you can see that there, uh, one on uh, QR codes and using QR codes in education. And if you open that one and take a look, then it's kind of laid out like a book, and it's tabbed from left to right, but, uh, but it, you know, you can go from one tab to another. And so if you're giving a presentation on how to use QR codes in education, then you can just go through those much like you would a slide presentation, uh, uh, you know, that you might use. Uh, we just had Slide Rocket on the show. Uh, so just another way of doing that. Uh, but uh, so a lot of different ways you can use this if you get creative. So take a look at it. And that is Live Binders. What is that? Livebinders.com, Mark? Dot com. Yes. yes. Livebinders.com. Got a couple of questions in the chat room. Uh, Oki Jason wants to know how long these things are saved. And I think the answer is for as long as you have an account. Right. Um, and he also asks if you can upload files. Uh, d- uh, unless the files are accessible by a URL, probably not. Um, I actually thought you could, but I thought there was a, like a conversion process. So uh, what you're looking at right there could have been like a, a Word document or a Google Doc. Uh, so I do believe that it actually can uh, take that outside content. It's not just uh, uh, like web content. You can put a wide range of stuff into it. There you go. Uh, so the answer to your question is check it out and get back to us because right. <laughs> that's what you teachers always do, right? Student asks a question. You don't know the answer. You say, why don't you research that and get back to the class? Take a look at so, it. So, Jason, that's your assignment. Research that and get back to the class. Yeah. Yeah. That You, you know, Google's a big fallback for me in that one. When I, <laughs> so I'm there, you know, a student asks me a question and, you know, especially, obviously, if I don't know it, but you know, you got a little Google search tab right there. I'm sure you can get the answer. Let me Google that for you. dot com. It's yeah, one of yeah. my favorite sites. <laughs> uh, and so, okay, that's uh, that's our 
tech tip and our teacher tip. And this is the part of the show where we tell you where I can contact, where you can contact us. And like, uh, when you call somebody up, uh, on the voice, automated voicemail system, it seems like they always say, please pay attention because our options have changed. It's, it, and it will say that forever. It's like it changed once and that message is there forever. Right. So for here, I say pay attention because our options have changed. Um, as part of uh, what we were mentioning uh, before we started recording the show, we were talking to uh, Jim and Chuck and, and saying that we uh, um, are launching uh, three new shows. Uh, we just recently, not long ago, launched the uh, 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 Everyday Linux podcast. We'll have three more coming up, the Tightwad Teacher podcast uh, and uh, two more that uh, are as of yet unnamed. Uh, that right. will be joining us. Uh, and so we're, uh, expanding our, our podcast dominance, uh, to the world. Uh, <laughs> so instead of saying go to thetaiwatech.com slash thetaiwateacher, that's a little ridiculous. Uh, we've, we've created, uh, essentially what we call a production company and it's called Element OP Productions. Element as in periodic table of elements. Ele- uh, OP as in OP Taylor from, um, the, uh, uh Andy Griffith Andy show. Griffith show. Yeah. So it's, it's a playoff, a play on words of the alphabet, Element OP, uh, uh, but it's Element Opie, uh, and so it's meaningless but fun, and you'll remember it. So uh, elementopie.com is the name of our company. So now instead of going to the thetaiwadtech.com, which is still going to be there for a while, uh, the, the new way to find us is at uh, elementopie.com, and there will be a Taiwad Tech uh, category there as well as the other categories for other shows. That That is live now. Go check it out. Uh, it's still being built, still being worked on, but it is live and ready to go. Yeah, and you can uh, you can join in in uh, uh, forums and uh, you know all the other good stuff. That if you've been a long time listener and a part of that community, then most of the functionality that you're used to uh, you're going to see there. Um, and uh, forums is especially uh, something we need to mention because we really had to make a change in format because our previous forum was not going to expand out with it. Exactly, that's really what drove the whole thing was. Uh uh, the forums we've been using buddy press for our site. We did a, a whole show about it. Uh, and the forums on there are adequate, but not great. And it just doesn't really expand. We didn't have the ability to do like sub forums. So we couldn't have different show forums. It really wasn't working there group methodology didn't work for what we wanted to do. So the new site is based on Drupal, which gives us a lot more power. Uh, it's, I've literally had to like learn another language. It's like learning to read, uh, Korean, uh, trying to work, uh, Drupal. But, uh, uh, the the new site is there and that's going to be our our new home uh so uh, uh twitter uh, uh has changed also it's twitter.com slash element op and there we have uh twitter list that will be host for each of uh the shows so right now we have a uh, tightwad tech uh, twitter.com slash the tightwad tech but there's really not much content there. We put something like recording a show or just released a show. And what we want to do is uh, sort of bring you into the lives of, of the hosts a little more. So we'll be uh, linking to the individual personal feeds of each of our hosts of each of the shows uh, there at Element Opie using Twitter's lists feature. So you'll still be able to get to it and simply subscribe to a list in the same way that you're used to scri- subscribing to listeners. But we hope that'll bring a little more personality uh, to the Twitter and the Facebook feeds. We'll have different uh, Facebook pages as well. Uh, so, uh, uh Again, we'll find links for that, all that on our website. But the voicemail number hasn't changed. So if you want to leave us a voicemail that will play on the air, on the electrons, uh, <laughs> that number is 530-FRUGAL2. Uh, or uh, hopefully you know, by the time this goes to air, you'll be able to go to the elementop.com website and there'll be the call widget there. It's not there yet, but it will be. Yeah. Uh, and you'll be able to go there and, and Google will call you. And so there you go. 
uh, we'll be talking about this probably every show for the next uh, uh, six weeks or so until we sort of get it ground into your head that elementop.com is the new home for all your favorite podcasts. Yes. And now it's time for me to say great show. Okay. The dro- the bomb has been <laughs> dropped. He said great show. That's like a steward of saying good day, sir. Yes. That's it. So thank you guys. And for now, this is Mark signing off. And Sean signing off.